Once Upon a Time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Anna Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. Please note, this episode is a spooky one meant for all audiences. However, if you are of a sensitive nature or a caregiver for those who are not fond of suspense, creepy creatures, or deals with the devil, I would suggest you skip this episode. But if you are fond of the above and like a good chill, I would invite you to boldly continue on. I have a very direct question for you. What do you want? Money? Fame? Power? A grilled cheese sandwich. I would love a grilled cheese sandwich. I would pay $10 for a great sandwich right now. I would pay even more if somebody would come and make one for me. I would sing a song, tell a story, and open the bubbly for a friend who came to my house and made me a sandwich. But I suppose that will have to wait. Instead, I have two stories for you, and they involve bargains. Some that go well, and some that could have gone better. The first I have is a story told by Janice Del Negro, a storyteller from Chicago. This is Lucy and the Boggle. When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich laird. He was a good laird, as lairds go, with one great fault. He was superstitious. You know, he believed in things like black cats being bad luck and four-leaf clovers being good. Now this laird had a soothsayer, a fortune-teller, who one day told the laird that if he could get a pair of trousers sewn by the light of the full moon in the graveyard of old St. Andrew's Church, the trousers would bring him good fortune. Now there were stories about St. Andrew's and everybody knew them, stories that said the graveyard was haunted by some fearsome thing. There were many brave, bold, and foolish men who'd gone in the night to find what was happening there, and what they found they'll never tell, for none of them were ever seen again. But that didn't stop the laird. Write a proclamation, he cried, a sack full of gold to the one who sows me those trues, and he let it be known that he expected those trousers by the following Saturday, the first night of the next full moon, or else he'd know the reason why. Now, as fortune would have it, and fortune always has her way, Lucy Dove heard about the laird and his need for lucky trousers. A seamstress by profession, Lucy could use that sack full of gold, having recently been sacked from the laird's own household. Oh, she still had a clever needle, but her sewing had slowed with age, and not even a soothsayer could see sacks of gold in her future. But when Lucy read the proclamation, she saw her way clear to a comfortable old age in a cottage of her own on her own piece of shore. For she had heard the stories, too. Well, I'm old enough to know a thing or two about churchyards and soothsayers and foolish lairds, too. If it's trousers sewn by the light of the moon he wants, it's trousers sewn by the light of the moon he'll get, and a dear sum he'll pay for them, moonluck and all. With just enough money not to freeze or go hungry, Lucy Dove waited for Saturday, and when Saturday came, she pinned and basted trousers cut to fit the laird. In that twilight space between sunset and moonrise, 
Lucy gathered cloth, needle, thread, and all into her apron, and she set out for old St. Andrews. The moon was rising full when Lucy stood before the church. Abandoned when the stories first began, the graveyard was dark and neglected. She pushed through the gate and found a place to sit, on a flat gravestone next to a marble tomb where the moon shone its brightest. Lucy shook out the basted cloth, threaded her needles, and began to sew, and sew, and sew, each stitch even and straight. And just when she was beginning to think that the stories she'd heard about the churchyard were just that, stories. A strange, unpleasant smell filled the air. It was the smell of dampness and decay. It was the smell of graves and corruption. It was the smell of death without the promise of eternity to redeem it. Lucy kept on sewing, and the smell grew stronger and stronger still, until suddenly the ground beneath her feet began to tremble, and the marble tomb beside her split in two. From beneath the earth there emerged a monstrous, misshapen head, its sunken eyes glowing with the devil's own fire. It spoke. Do you see this great head of mine? Long have I lacked blood and meat, so now it is just skin and bone, bone and marrow, skin and bone, bone and marrow. Lucy's throat was dry as dust, but she managed to reply pleasantly enough, I beg your pardon, did you say something? The monster strained and stretched, revealing a long, ropey neck. Do you see this great neck of mine? Long have I lacked blood and meat, so now it is just skin and bone, bone and marrow, skin and bone, bone and marrow. Skin and bone, bone and marrow. Oh, I know. I know. You're that wee bogle they tell all the stories about. The monster paused. He drew one long, twisted arm from beneath the earth and leaned his head upon it. Stories, he asked. About me? Tell me. What do they say? Do they speak of my fearsome visage? Of how I strike fear into the hearts of brave but foolish men? Oh, something like that, said Lucy. They tell them to children at bedtime. To help them sleep, you know. Children, the monster snarled. Bedtime stories. Old woman, look here. And from beneath the earth, the monster drew a second long, twisted arm that ended not in a long, twisted hand like the other, but in five sharp claws that slashed through the air and clutched for Lucy, but could not reach her. Old woman, do you see these great arms of mine? Long have I lacked blood and meat, so now they are just skin and bone, bone and marrow, skin and bone, bone and marrow. Oh, I see them, said Lucy. Really? 
It's a shame how some people exaggerate for the sake of a good story. And though her stitches got longer, they were still even and straight. The monster strained and stretched. He drew one great leg from beneath the earth and stamped it on the ground. He loomed over the madly sewing Lucy, grinning a terrible grin, showing rows of sharp, pointed teeth. He exhaled a malodorous cloud around Lucy Dove. Old woman, do you see this great leg of mine? Long have I... Oh, I see it, said Lucy. There's no need to be unpleasant. And she held her breath and stitched her last stitch. Her limbs given youth by the promise of success, Lucy leapt to her feet and ran for the churchyard gate. The monster stared after her, confounded, giving Lucy a few precious steps, and then, stop, old woman, stop. No one gets away from me, and the monster pulled his second leg from beneath the earth and gave chase after Lucy Dove. Down the hill they raced, the monster ever gaining, but though the thing roared after her to stop, Lucy never looked behind her, never. She clutched those lucky trousers to her chest, and she ran. She ran for the gate of the laird's castle by the sea, a wooden gate, a strong gate, a locked gate, a gate that was bolted shut against the night and all the things that roam it. Lucy pounded on the gate. She pounded. She had no breath to call for help, and it was then, only then, she looked behind her and saw those five sharp claws come slashing through the air, reaching for her, reaching, and the castle gate opened just a crack, and Lucy slipped inside. The monster let loose a wail that shook the sky and in a starving rage struck the stone arch above the gate with those five sharp claws, leaving five deep grooves in the hard, cold stone. And that is how the laird got a pair of lucky trousers and how Lucy Dove gained a bag of gold. And if it was trousers full of moonluck that helped her beat a bogle in a race, who's to say yes or no? As for that fearsome creature, it was never seen again, although it left its mark for all to see. Five claw marks in hard stone, made as easily as the lines Lucy Dove made in the sand, in front of her own cottage, on her own piece of shore. This is a public service announcement. In the days before Halloween, when the veil is thin and other worldly creatures come back and forth to ours, presumably to do their solstice shopping, we would like to remind mortals to be kind. You never know if the man with the long red beard is just your cranky neighbor, or a leprechaun, or if the older lady with the wide eyes needs glasses, or is Baba Yaga looking for a curt child to carry away to work for her. So please... Treat all strange people, circumstances, and creatures as if they might carry you away or take revenge, because they just might do that. Or, if you are kind, bless you with abundance in the coming year. So please remember, be kind. In folklore, if you want to make a bargain with the devil, everyone knows you go to the nearest crossroads, say a few things or bury something, and he'll come out of the heat of hell just to say hello and buy your soul. 
but in some stories the characters are just naughty enough, he will make a special trip. This next story is about how a particularly naughty man tried to wiggle his way out of following the devil home. Find out if he does in The Blacksmith and the Devil, told by Simon Brooks. Many, many years ago, there was a blacksmith. He was broad, he was tall, he was strong. He had a wicked sense of humour, and he would play wicked pranks on people. And so he got the name Wicked John. Now John did a good job in his town, and he worked hard too. But you wouldn't want to be around him when he lost his temper, and you certainly wouldn't want to be the recipient of one of his pranks. They weren't always fun pranks. Quite often, they were twisted and quite mean. One day, when John was working at his forge in his smithy, he looked out through the window and saw a beggar knocking on people's doors, making his way down the street. It appeared to John that this beggar was looking for arms, for food, for shelter, something to drink. It was pouring outside. Rain bounced high off the ground. John decided that he would show up his neighbours, and so he set down what he was working on and walked up to the window, which was open because of the heat, and he called out, Hey, stranger, it's nice and warm in here next to my forge. I've got some food if you're hungry, and I've got some beer if you're thirsty. Come on in. Well, the stranger heard wicked John and looked at the person who had just opened their door and shrugged and walked over to him. He entered the smithy and stood next to the forge, drying himself off. Wicked John pointed to a stool. Sit yourself down while I go into the house and get you some food. So the man sat down, pulling the stool closer to the forge. John came out with bread and cheese and a bottle of beer which he cracked open for the stranger. Eat as much as you want, John shouted rather loudly. Drink plenty, there's more inside. He wanted to make sure that everyone in the town heard that he was being hospitable to this man, this stranger, this beggar. The beggar thanked John and ate and drank and ate and ate some more. John continued working on what he was doing, the ring of the anvil sounding out high. When the man finished eating, John stopped work. Are you sure you've had enough to eat? said John. Oh no, this is plenty. You know, this is the second village I've been in today, and you're the first person to offer me arms, to offer me food and shelter from this dreadful weather. Well, no problem, said John. I'm glad to help, speaking as loudly as he could so that the whole town would hear. Well, I'd, I'd like to give you a little something, a little gift in return. John raised his voice again. No, there's no need to uh, give me any gifts. I'm fine, thank you very much. John chuckled inside. Well, no, I'd like to give you a wish. Three wishes, actually. Are you having me on? said John, spluttering. Wishes? Who are you? Oh, it doesn't matter who I am. I, I just want to give you thanks. You're winding me up, aren't you? The townsfolk sent you here, didn't they? No, I've never been here before. No, no, I want to give you three wishes. All right, then said Wicked John. Three wishes, eh? 
Yes, but uh, don't wish for gold. It always causes a lot of trouble. You know, people try and steal it or you bury it and then people kill you and, oh, it's just messy or lots of money. It's all too much trouble, too much trouble. All right, then, said John, looking around his forge, wondering what he could wish for. Oh, I know, said John. See that hammer there that's resting on the anvil? Yes, it's my favourite hammer, that is. And sometimes I let people borrow it, but they rarely bring it back. So I have to go and get it. Wasting my time, they are. And then the kids, sometimes they comes in after school and they, they snatches me hammer away to use it to break up rocks and stuff. And then I can't find it. I have to look through the village, finding it for myself. It's a right pain in the neck, it is. Oh, so you'd like another hammer that you can lend out? No. Well, what would you like then? What I would like is for anyone that takes that hammer into their hand that's not me, find that they can't let go of it, and that hammer will beat them until I say to lay off. Really, John? That's your wish? Yes. I'll teach him a lesson. I suppose it would, John. It's not a very nice wish, though. Nevertheless, that's what I want to wish. Right-ho, then. So your second wish, um... Be a bit more generous, a little bit more kind. John just grunted and looked around his smithy, trying to find something else that he could wish for. I know, said Wicked John. That rocking chair there, in the corner. Oh yes, what about it? It's my favourite chair, that is. Only I likes to sit in that. But sometimes people come into my smithy and they sit down in my rocking chair. You know, it's like... When I want to rest, I want to be able to sit down in that chair. It's right comfy, it is. And if someone comes in here and sits down, I can't sit in it. And some people, they come in and they sit down and they talk for hours and hours and hours because it's so comfortable. Oh, so you'd like another rocking chair, just like that one in your smithy? No. Well, what would you want then? I want whoever is to sit in that chair other than me to be stuck in that chair, and that chair to rock so violently that it bangs her head against the floor and against the wall behind him. John, that's really not a very nice wish. Well, nevertheless, people come into my forge, to my smithy, and they sit down in my comfy chair. I don't want them sitting in that chair. I'll teach them a lesson. They'll learn to sit on that stool right next to it. Well, John, you have one more wish. Please, wish for something nicer. Mm. John grunted again. I know, said Wicked John. Is it something nice? My rose bush outside. You probably saw it when you started to walk in. Yes, yes, the rose bush between your house and this smithy here. Yes, that one. Well, you see, I, I may be a bit of a... A brute to some people, but I really like roses. They're my favourite flower. And that's why I grew those roses between the house and my and my smithy. I nurture them and I water them. I make sure the bugs don't get the best of them. Yes, I really treasure those roses. Yes, they're very, very pretty. They are. Well, sometimes... People come along and they, they steal my roses when they're in bloom, steal them for themselves sometimes, steal them for their sweethearts. So you'd like the rosebush to grow more blooms? 
so that you can share them with everybody here in the village? No. No. It's a big tall plant. It's got long branches with lots of thorns on it. I want anyone that tries to steal my flowers, anyone takes any of those flowers without my explicit permission, to be pulled in by those long branches and to be squeezed tight with those thorns until I say they can be let go. John, that's a terrible wish. Nevertheless, you said I could have three wishes, and that's my third. Well, all right then, said the man. Your wishes have been granted. Good luck. And with that, the man turned and left. Wicked John continued with his work. He worked hard, as he always did, and people would come and visit, and sometimes they'd try and borrow his hammer without asking, and they would immediately bring it back to him as it beat them about the arms and the legs and the body. And the same thing happened with the rocking chair. On cold, damp days, or cold, wintry days, people would come in to sit at the forge to keep warm, using Wicked John's firewood instead of their own. And they'd sit down in his comfortable chair, and the chair would rock them hard, backwards and forwards, until Wicked John told the chair to let up and let them free. And some mornings he'd come by his forge and find people wrapped up in his rosebush, crying out for help. John would eventually let them free. And so life went on for Wicked John and the town that he lived in. Well, John got older and older, and the devil had heard of his tricks that he played on people, and the devil knew that Wicked John was his, and so he went to get him. Wicked John was working on this horseshoe when the devil walked in, whisking his tail around the air. John recognised him, of course, as soon as he saw him. He didn't say anything, he just watched the devil as he walked around the forge and around his smithy. So you're the blacksmith, known as Wicked John, are you? said the devil. Aye, that's me. I've heard about you. You're going to come with me now. Well, uh, I'm I'm just finishing off this horseshoe. It's the last one for uh, Mr. Smith. Do you mind if I finish it? Yes, I do mind. I want to go now. Well, um, uh, can you pass me that hammer, and then I'll get it done quicker? Well, I suppose so, said the devil. And he reached for John's hammer, picked it up, and went to hand it to John. But the hammer, of course, was enchanted now, and the hammer beat the devil about his arms and about his legs and about his chest. Leave off! The devil called out, Leave off! Get this hammer off me! He tried to shake it from his hand, but it was as if the hammer were glued to it, and it beat him and beat him and beat him. What is this trickery, wicked John? What is this wicked, wicked trickery? <laughs> oh, this feller, he, he visited me on one time, and he, he gave me a few promises, and this is one of them. Make it stop, John, make it stop. Oh, no, not until you promise me another good five years on my life. All right, said the devil, all right, I'll let you off. Five years I'll return. Just stop this hammer from ow, beating me. So Wicked John stopped the hammer from beating the devil. The hammer fell from the devil's hand, and the devil walked out of the smithy 
with his tail between his legs. Wicked John laughed until his belly was aching. Well, five years passed and the devil returned. He returned to the smithy and came into the forge. Iron John was working hard. When he saw the devil, he pushed the hammer over to one side. The devil looked at the hammer and took a step away. So, John, another five years has gone by and it's time for you to come with me. For real this time. Well, uh, Mrs. Jones, you see, she's got these hinges that I've almost finished. Uh, why don't you help me? I'm not touching that hammer. I'm not going to help you, wicked John. Well, then, uh, um, I hope you don't mind if we wait a little while. You know, Mrs. Jones, she's a, she's an old lady, you know. She's got someone to help her with these hinges to put them back on the door. But it would be nice if I could get this third one finished up so that the job's done. You know, sit yourself down in my, my comfortable rocking chair. Well, I finish. Why don't you? And the devil sat down in John's rocking chair. Then he started to rock. And then the chair started to rock for itself. And it rocked backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards until the devil's head was banged hard against the floor and against the wall behind the chair. Wicked John! Is this another one of your tricks? Stop it now! Wicked John started to laugh. Oh, <laughs> looks like I got you again, Ab. <laughs> Let me go. Oh, no, 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 no. you got to promise me another five years of my life, said Wicked John. I'll not promise anything. Well, then I'll not let you out of that chair, and you'll be knocked silly. Well, the devil was banged around some more, and the devil knew he wasn't going to be let out of the chair unless he gave Wicked John another five years. So he granted John his desire. And John stopped the chair and freed the devil and bid the devil a fine farewell. And the devil left the smithy once more with his tail between his legs. When that five years had passed, when the devil returned, he saw the rose bushes growing high and strong. He saw those long, thorned branches. And the devil thought to himself... Wicked John has beaten me a couple of times. I think it's my turn to give him a good thrashing. And so he reached into the rose bush to break off the longest branch. But as soon as he lay his fingers upon that stem, it wrapped itself around the devil and pulled him into the bush, while other branches wrapped themselves around the creature. The devil called out again and again, and it was a while before John heard him. And when he did, he came out and saw the devil wrapped up in his rose bush, and he started to laugh. You know my terms, says John, you know my terms, another five years. The devil agreed, knowing that John wouldn't let him go, and left. At the end of that five years... It wasn't the devil that came to collect John. It was Death himself. Death walked up to John and said, Time to go. Well, said John, I got this little job I need finishing, and I'd be a lot quicker if you gave me the hammer over there. I'm not touching any hammer. I'm not waiting 
in any chair. And I'm not going to pick any fine roses either. It's time for you and I to go. John didn't have a choice. He was taken by death up to the great pearly gates of heaven. And there was St. Peter, waiting. Hello. Wicked John looked at St. Peter and sudden recognition dawned on his face. This was the man that was dressed as a beggar. It had been a test, thought Wicked John. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Well, John, let's see all the good things that you've done during your, how shall we say, extended stay down there. <laughs> all right, then, let's have a look. John, there we go. Wicked John, right there. Hmm... This uh, list of good things is rather short. Oh, look, that, that's when I visited, yes, and you helped me out. Although those wishes weren't very good. Now, let's see what else you've got there. Yeah, a little bit here. OK, then let's look at the, uh, the negative side, shall we? He started to flip through the pages. There's rather a lot on the negative side, John. Yeah, you, you did that, John? He showed Wicked John the book. Uh, well, yeah, there are a few things I'm not terribly proud of. I should say so. Page after page he turned. Well, John, I'm ever so sorry, but you you can't stay here. I can't? No. Not with a, a record like this. No, not at all. I'm afraid you'll have to, um, to go downstairs. So death took wicked John downstairs. As they approached the gates of hell, the devil saw them approaching, and so he slammed the great door shut as quickly as he could, and he bolted and latched and barricaded himself in. Death got to the doors and called out, Devil! It is wicked John! He is here! to spend the rest of eternity with you and your domain in hell. I'm not taking him, said the devil. I'm not taking him. I'll not have him here. I know what he's like. He's tricked me too many times. I'll not have him. They'll have to take him upstairs. But St. Peter won't let him stay up in heaven. Well, I'm not letting him stay here. Well, what do we do with him? The devil thought and thought, and then had an idea. He ran back into his fires, into his great flames, and pulled out a large coal. When he got to the gates, he called out, John, this is for you. Catch it. And the devil threw the coal over the great gates of hell and John caught the coal in his hand. Being dead, there was no pain. But John said, What have you given me this for? Well, you can't stay here. You're going to have to find your own hell. With your skills and that first coal, you should have no problem in finding a suitable place to create your own domain. And so death 
left Wicked John. And Wicked John stood outside the gates of hell, staring at this coal, before he set off wandering. And if you are ever out on your own, and you see a red burning light moving through the darkness, stay away from it, for it may be Wicked John. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at thestorystorypodcast.com forward slash episode 11. Show the love. Find Janice Del Negro and Simon Brooks on Facebook. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. If you want to support this podcast, you can do that and get an extra story per podcast. The bonus story for the patrons of this episode is Tamlin by Simon Brooks. You can find out how to support us at storystorypodcast.com and a huge thank you to our ongoing supporters. If you would like to stay connected or offer feedback, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or join the mailing list. You can leave a rating and a comment on iTunes or however else you listen to your podcasts. This helps other people find the stories and is so appreciated. Let us know your favorite story that you've heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. I will be back with stories soon. I hope you'll join me again. And until then, live happily ever after.